up, maniacs? So this week, we've got something of a treat for you. Since we missed you last week, we are giving you a special bonus episode where we're going to talk about a song that is somewhat of a blip on the radar as far as Priest goes, but it's really good. It's one of my favorite Priest songs, and I think it deserves your undivided attention. So without any further ado, you've got Tom. You've got George. You got another podcast coming. Yes, you do. Cheers, George. Cheers, Tom. Takes another drink George, what are you drinking today? I've got Sam Adams Alpine Lager. Ah, nice, so good. crisp, and golden. It's their spring seasonal. Mm. And I could drink a lot of these. Yeah, definitely the kind of light beer that you could just slam back like four of them in a sitting. Without feeling anything. <laughs> well, the same cannot be said for what I'm drinking. So I am drinking the Sour Monkey Sour Triple by the good people at the Victory Brewing Company. These little bastards pack 9.5% alcohol by volume. What? Yeah. What's shocking to me is that at that high level is that this is still a delicious beer. You know, as you get higher and higher with your alcohol content, you tend to get a flavor that is more reminiscent of um, gasoline than beer. But with you mean these, to tell me, Tom, that you're drinking a 9.5% beer that does not taste like distilled rat poison? Uh, Are you I'm really doing, drinking a 9.5% beer? I am. I'll show you right now. Here. Oh, low and, no. low, and by low the way, and Sour Monkey, what a brilliant name. Yeah. Well, you know, this is actually one of my wife's favorite beers. And um, I decided to pick some up today after work. It's got a really tart golden flavor to it and it is actually surprisingly sour it's got a very sour texture and it goes back smooth these are dangerous beers folks so do not drink and drive if you know what if you're going to drink a six pack of this don't make any plans for the rest of your day but you can make some plans to listen to this cool episode we've got for you yes not like when you're driving home, but when you are at home and you can drink and hang out with us, absolutely do that. Yeah, so crack open your beer and we can go racing with the devil together. So today's track is Race with the Devil. Recorded in the 70s during the sessions for Stained Class, but never released until 2001 on the CD remasters. And it's a bonus track, not for Stained Class, but for Sin After Sin for some reason that no one really quite gets. But this track, it's going to be the first non-album track or the first bonus track we cover from Judas Priest. And Tom is really excited for it because this song, it's got a lot to offer. And for an unreleased track, there's so much cool stuff just mm. hiding in this unassuming song that you might not have heard. 
So let's have a little bit of context first. So Race with the Devil was originally a song by the band Gun. And Gun were a rock guitar trio. And they had a single British top 10 hit, which happened to be Race with the Devil. Now, Gun is a somewhat notable band because among their members was Adrian Gervitz. Adrian Gervitz has done a lot of work with some high-profile artists. He has worked with the likes of Eddie Money, Kenny G, Steve Perry, Stevie Nicks. So this guy has some credentials to him. But Wow, you've done your research there, man. Yeah, well, oh. I, I really wanted to explore this song because it's such a blip on the radar, but it's so good. And on the Sin After Sin re-release, it's a fantastic little bonus track that comes right after Dissident Aggressor. Yeah, and Dissident Aggressor is such a good ending. And, you know, the thing that some people don't like about bonus tracks is that when you get to the end of the album, it's like, oh, I want to hear something different than what the artist originally intended to be the end. But, eh, whatever. These bonus tracks are fun saying that bonus tracks are fine as long as they don't interfere with the rest of the album it's fine if you put them at the end of the album i don't care if the flow of the album up till the end is not interrupted in any meaningful way so the fact that this comes at the end of sin after sin i have absolutely no problem with okay yeah yeah so we're both okay with the bonus tracks being at the end and you know what even though it's been well documented that with all the bonus tracks in the 01 re-releases they're not really consistent with which uh song from which time period goes on which album they're putting ram it down uh session unreleased tracks on stained class it might have just been prudent at some point to put all of these bonus tracks in one CD and release it as like, I don't know, you know, the lost tapes or something. I would have liked that too. And that's actually the one thing that I would complain about with the gigantic Judas Priest box set, which is really nice, but it does omit those bonus tracks from those re-releases. Oh, really? I don't see why they couldn't just... Hey, if you're buying a 46 CD box set, what's the <laughs> trouble to just add one more CD with all those unreleased bonus songs? You know? Yeah, that's what I would have liked to have seen, like just an entire album of unreleased material that's like, hey, so here's some history that not that is not as well known. But these are tracks that we obviously put a lot of effort and love into and we want you to hear them. But Regardless of the wildly inconsistent chronology of this thing, right? The, the fact that we get to hear these tracks at all is special, and this is my favorite bonus track on any Priest album. Yeah, I'd rate it pretty highly. And another first for this podcast, this is the first time we're covering a cover that Judas Priest did. Like you said, this was originally by the not too well-known British band, The Gun. But I guess this song might have had an impact on Judas Priest, or maybe it was just something 
some idea the record label floated and said, hey, here's a song that I think you guys could handle. So I don't actually know the backstory behind this cover, but the original song is not good. I mean, like <laughs> the hey, idea, we're not missing words here. The idea is there and the riffs are there and it just in the original it doesn't come together in a satisfactory manner but the priest version is a banger really just a really good driving song and it's so much fun to listen to Oh, yeah, it really is. The riff is just amazing. And Tom, I don't know about you, but I'm craving that riff. And I think we should hear it right about now. I agree. All right. Let me pull that up. In fact, I could not agree more with that statement. I think you could agree a little more. Come on, let's get the most agreement you could possibly muster. Come on. I fucking agree with you. All right, there we go. All right. Now let's listen to this goddamn song. God, how much groove does that riff have? Oh, and dude, the drums in the back are so like, they sound extra punchy and they just, they really drive the song. There's some real passion. Was that Simon Phillips at the time or was that, uh, what drummer was playing on that? You said Stained Class, right? Yeah, so they recorded this song during the Stained Class sessions. So this had to be Les Binks over here. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, whether it's Phillips or Banks, you know that either one of them is a friggin' beast. But I yeah. think this is Banks. Yeah, I, you know what? Because it's got that Binks energy to it. Where like you can tell he's wailing on those drums with everything he's got, like every bit of passion that he can muster. It's true. Oh man, everything about the beginning of this song and the way that Rob just builds and rises with those ascending. V- uh, notes that he's holding yeah like he's going uh like just i'm not a singer but the way that he keeps raising the pitch that's not easy to do and just the length of time he's holding those notes it's really impressive it is it's, this is a song that really shows off his range in the beginning and the original song has that as well i think originally it was an orchestra that was playing those melodies, but Priest doesn't need an orchestra. They need Rob Halford. (laughs) 
and then yeah. you just got that amazing it, guitar riff. That, isn't that amazing it, that Rob Halford can just substitute for an entire orchestra? Yeah, just by his onesie, he can do what it takes an entire orchestra to do. And this song has one of the best lead lines I think I've ever heard. Oh my God. Yeah. And we're going to listen to that guitar bit one more time because it's so damn good. I had actually really strongly considered making that the intro music for this podcast. Really? Yeah. It was between that, The Rage, which we're using now, and mm. some other ones, but this would have been a good choice, too. And, hey, you know what? There's nothing that says we can't switch it up once in a while. Maybe we'll start using this as the intro at some point. Yeah, exactly. You know, maybe when we do a new season of this, that'll be the next song that we go with. I think it's a great contender for an opener, and it works in our... Sorry, I just noticed that Raw Deal has 634,666 downloads on Spotify. We are talking about a song called Race with the Devil. Find that very apt. But either way, you know. Oh, 666. Yeah, son. Uh, And you know what? That's the lowest number of plays on the whole album. And Raw Deal is friggin' sweet, man. That's yeah. that's not right. That's yeah, not right. man. The, there's an injustice going on here as far as Priest songs are concerned, and I don't know if I'll stand for it. You know what that means, man. We'll just need to record a banger of an episode on Raw Deal. But uh, I guess hey, so. let's not get too ahead of ourselves. We got a little more racing with the devil to do. Yeah, man, for sure. All right, let's play this track. So in the original version of that gun song, they do some sort of extended maniacal laughter during that part where it goes. Yeah. And that's kind of, it's grating. It gets on my nerves. I don't care for that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with the fact that they took that out in the Judas Priest cover. Yeah, I don't care for that. 
I don't think that Rob Halford needed to do that. I think it would have added a major cheese factor and made the song not hold up nearly as well. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. It doesn't add anything. It's jarring. It's very sort of grating and takes you away from the song, which is a shame because there really is some genuinely amazing instrumentation going on in the original. By the way, quick side note, the album cover for the gun version is fucking sick. Like that is actually some amazing album art. Oh yeah, it's metal as fuck. Yeah. You've got dude. these demons and snakes and uh what looks Bat. like like something naked, from Dungeons and Dragons. Sacrifices. Yeah, man. It looks like they're ripping someone apart, and it's very cool. So metal as fuck. Very metal, but sort of kind of got like that really generic bluesy feel to it, where it's like I'm listening to the guitars playing. And it's very reminiscent of like, I don't know, the guitar on the original kind of reminds me of like Johnny B. Good almost. Oh, yeah. You know, you got the same kind of era, that early rock and roll. And they didn't really have the genre figured out because just like Judas Priest was playing heavy metal before it was called heavy metal and without a blueprint. Rock and roll still was pretty new at the time in the 1960s. And those musicians themselves were playing without much of a blueprint. True. And I guess, you know, rock and roll did evolve from blues. A lot of these blues musicians went on to write rock and roll and um, heavy metal. I think that they did not have the blueprint down. Like, well, hold on, let me rephrase that. I think that they were still sailing uncharted waters, but Priest really takes this song and elevates it into. And I've always loved this idea of taking something that is like almost mediocre and making it spectacular. Um, And one thing I love is that that lead line that is the bridge between the first and second verse where it goes, it's done on a what sounds like some sort of. some sort of woodwind or bre- no, some sort of brass instrument, probably a trumpet. Mm. I, I couldn't say off the top of my head because I am completely ignorant when it comes to brass instruments. But what it's a lot more interesting on the guitar as a lead line because it's this very sort of like chaotic, dissident, almost like unnerving guitar lead. And they take it on the bonus track of sin after sin and they turn it into something that is vastly more interesting to listen to. Yeah. And on that note, let's get a little more of this song going. Don't make me beg. Oh, I'll make you beg, sweetie. Mm, That's hot.
Oh, yeah. I like that part, too, just like you were talking about. Mm. Like, to me, that riff almost sounds playful. The whole... Like, almost kind of a nursery rhyme melody, but in a way that sounds, like, a lot cooler. Yeah, I know what you're saying, though. I understand what you're getting at. I appreciate that perspective. It's really interesting, because this is not a long song, and it's not... It only has, like two or three verses to it. There's not a lot going on here lyrically. And I think that is sort of like reminiscent of a different time where the instrument itself was the focal point of the music and the lyrics were almost like a secondary matter. I could see that. I could definitely see that. Yeah. The yeah. song is pretty simple structurally. And like you said, it's short three minutes and six seconds for the Judas priest version. Yeah. And for the original by gone, it's, three minutes and 35 seconds so like a full 30 seconds longer and they actually do the outro very extended and it gets a little repetitive by the end in the gun version so the judas priest version being a full 30 seconds shorter to me that's another good call yeah just trimming away a little bit of the fat so that right you can just really focus on this very tight energetic performance that doesn't overstay its welcome because this song if it goes on for too long it very much overstays its welcome you know if if this song were five minutes long i probably wouldn't like it as much but it says what it has to say in a very short concise manner and it hits all the points it needs to hit and then it, it's over and you have got a fun little bop to listen to after you have been on the emotional roller coaster of sin after sin. That's true. And not every song needs to be super complex. It is totally fine to have a fun rock and little three minute song with a groovy riff. And like you said, It's better to leave the listeners wanting more if the song is a little on the short side, but it doesn't overstay its welcome, then you'll just want to listen to it again and hear that riff again. And then when it's over, you're going to want to put it on a third time. And then if the song was an extra 30 seconds longer and they pounded that riff into your head, in one listen, then you might not want to hear it a second time. You might get sick of it. Exactly. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have no desire to listen to the gun version other than just kind of a perverse fascination with it. Cause it's like the ideas are all there. They don't come together to be greater than the sum of their parts. And before we completely leave this subject, I would like, I have always appreciated the Johnny Cash approach to music where if a song has been sung and you feel like you've said everything you had to say, then there's no use dragging it out. Very well said. Mm. And on that point, we will not drag out this episode and we will get back to our listen through of the song.
And like many a classic Judas Priest number, it fades out over some nice sounding guitar leads. Yeah, as it was so such a good inspired decision to end that guitar solo by going back to the lead guitar riff. Just the, the continuity is important. It helps bring the song full circle. Yeah, exactly. And it ends on it ends on a crescendo almost, which is great. You've got some really good pentatonic minor work going on with that guitar. Kind of a testament to I don't know who played that solo, but Priest's knowledge of blues guitar playing. It's fantastic. It's just it, it's a fun song bottom line yeah i can't admit to knowing who played lead and who played rhythm on that track to be real with you i'm sure that either downing or tipton were both technically capable of playing that i mean that's a great riff it doesn't sound like it's pushing the limits of either glenn or kk's skill i think either one of them easily could have played that uh but whatever the case it sounds great, and I think they all knocked it out of the park, the whole band, on this performance. And going back to what I said before, the way that it fades out over those nice leads at the end, and that just makes you want to hear it again. You know, you don't get sick of the song, and it's catchy, and as soon as it's over, like you feel like you had a great time listening to it. Yeah, dude, that is just one of the it's just such a good song. Like it really is like kind of like an earworm gets stuck in your head. You want to listen to it. You know, whenever I do, I always make a point whenever I'm listening to sin after sin, I gotta put on race with the devil at some point. Cause you know, there's a lot of, so there's some songs on um, sin that I'm not crazy about, but you know, my go-tos are always, you know, we got sinner Starbreaker. Dissin, Aggressor, Diamonds and Rust, and Race with the Devil. And it, but I am happy to see, you know, as much as it pains me to see that Raw Deal is the lowest played song, Race with the Devil has it beat by about 200,000 listens, which tells me that other people have taken notice and they too appreciate this track. A great point and hey if we can bring this song to the attention of a few more people then even better because like i said this song didn't make it into the remastered versions of the albums that came with the gigantic box set and i don't want this to be erased i want us to be able to fully access everything priest has done and it would be a shame if Race with the Devil was just left out and forgotten because I think they really killed it here. Yeah. I don't love every bonus track they've done, obviously, but this one is really high quality. And I think that's a good reason that we chose to do it first out of any of the non-album tracks. Yeah, agreed. It's a, like, you know, a great cover is an amazing thing, especially when you make it your own. You know, because if you're just going to, there's only one reason to like play a cover verbatim, and that's very specifically if you're paying tribute to someone or something. But to do a cover track and to make it your own is its own kind of special, and I really commend them on that. They really took this song and they made it pop. Agreed. So let's not beat this dead horse into the ground. 
Race with the Devil. It's a good track. And gets my upvote. Tom, does it get your upvote? Absolutely. It gets the Tom star of approval, which I don't know if that carries any weight. But if it does, then you should definitely check out Race with the Devil because you will have a fun time with it. The other big news that we would be really remiss if we didn't talk about this week and address it, Judas Priest is officially being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the USA. Congratulations, Judas Priest. It's well-deserved. And Rob, just like you made your speech at the Grammys about how third time was the charm, uh, you'll have to probably do a similar acceptance to this Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because this is the third time Priest was up for consideration. I don't know which idiot decided the first two times that they're not getting in, but whatever. They saw the error of their ways, and now Judas Priest is in. Good and well-deserved at that. So congratulations, gentlemen. Not that you needed this but it's got to feel amazing, you know, your life's work being immortalized. Absolutely. So the specific band members that are inducted is the Painkiller lineup, Rob Halford, Glenn Tipton, KK Downing, Ian Hill, and Scott Travis, plus Wes Binks and Dave Holland. Because they were also two drummers who contributed to some of the band's most successful albums. Dave Holland sadly did not live to see this day, but I'm sure wherever he is, he's very proud. Agreed. And let's see, this is pretty much the correct list, I would say. Uh, The first two drummers on their first two albums who only played one album they're not really notable. I don't think they need to be part of it. Uh, Richie Faulkner, he's amazing, but I wouldn't say he really contributed to their legacy. So it's okay that he's not in this. Tim Owens. Blip on the radar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this band's legacy is because of Rob Halford, Tim Owens, you know, God bless you for being the second string quarterback and carrying the Judas Priest team through some rough years. But Uh, This is Rob Halford's band. I'm sorry, man. The fact of the matter is that this is such a well-deserved spot. Congratulations, boys. You know, we couldn't be more proud. 
Yeah, there's a lot of discourse online because a lot of people say, oh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is such bullshit. It's all just some popularity contest voted on by stuffy old dudes, which is basically true. Yeah, essentially. It's like the Grammys. Yeah, and I don't really give a shit about the Grammys either, but the fact that Judas Priest is being honored, though, what are they going to do? Say no? I mean, come on. They'll accept it. Yeah, man. I mean, listen. I'm not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for reasons that escape me. I, I mean, it's 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 a cool thing, if nothing else. It's like, yeah, ultimately it's meaningless because their legacy speaks for itself and their legacy will hopefully outlive the that institution. But being in there is still cool. If for no other reason than your life's work is being properly acknowledged. So... I agree. And there's also the whole thing about how, oh, the Rock and Roll Hall, they don't respect metal, which is true. They don't. But because it took this long for Judas Priest to get inducted anyway, you would think they're a slam dunk. Iron Maiden's still not in the hall. And yeah, the the hall doesn't respect metal. They do not consider it part of rock. And I guess, but you got to think, If Judas Priest is getting inducted this year, that's a stepping stone. It's Judas Priest this year. Maybe next year it'll be Maiden. Maybe the year after it'll be Megadeth and Slayer and Dio and Motorhead. So there's setting a precedent here. Sort of like how one Supreme Court decision can be referenced in future Supreme Court decisions because because a president was set. Well, here, Judas Priest being a metal band in the Hall of Fame sets a precedent for other metal bands to get into the hall in later years. That's my opinion. Yeah, and it's definitely a good perspective to have. It's a good way to look at it. I guess every journey begins with a single step, and this is a pretty damn good first step. I visited the Hall of Fame in Cleveland a couple years ago when I was traveling. Uh, It is a very cool museum, you know, say what you will about how it's BS, how which artists get inducted and which ones don't. But there is a lot of interesting stuff to look at. They've got some amazing artifacts. They've got Rob Halford's jacket. And I would like to see them add a little more stuff to any sort of Judas Priest display as a new inductee. I hope they get some of their, some more of their props. They've been known for having some really cool stage sets imagine if they've got just the big metallion robot from the cover of defenders of the faith in storage somewhere or if they've got can like, put that in the hall that would be lit yeah or like maybe one of halford's motorcycles sure that that would have a spot i would think the yeah. whole harley riding it on stage is an iconic part of their live act yeah uh it never stops being cool i have to agree tom Anyway, George, I think this is as good a place as any to leave off for the episode. Yeah, I think we covered it all. So, Metal Maniacs, we want to thank you for joining us to talk about this super cool, under-the-radar Judas Priest track, Race with the Devil, and to do a little celebrating of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction news. As more comes out on that, when they do induction ceremonies, then we'll give you more updates in the future. 
And we'll see you again next week for another great episode. And don't forget to crack one open for the boys and Judas Priest to celebrate. Tom, where can the listeners find us? Anywhere you get your podcasts. We're also on Twitter at Metal Gods Pod under the Deep Dive Podcast Network. You can also email us directly, metalgodspodcast at gmail.com, where you can have direct interactions with us and give us feedback on our episodes. And we're always welcome to starting conversations and meeting new people. And spread the word. Thank you. And spread the word because we are growing every day and reaching more and more ears. And as we do that and fulfill our mission, we'll continue to bring you the best content that we possibly can. That's awesome, man. So thanks, listeners. Uh, Check out the other shows on the Deep Dive Network. We've done some crossovers with some of those great folks from Diary of the Mad Men. Had Dan on the show. I went on his show to talk about some Ozzy. I've been on Maiden A to Z. Those guys have been on our show, too. Uh, We've got a lot more coming up as well. So until next time, stay locked in and keep defending the faith. Cheers. Cheers, George.